Hello, everyone, and welcome to another installment of Podcast 360, your go-to resource for medical news and clinical updates. I'm your moderator, Jessica Bard, with Consultant 360 Specialty Network. Direct oral anticoagulants have been useful alternatives to the long-standing standard of care in anticoagulation, vitamin K antagonists. Dr. Isaac Nichols is here to speak with us today about his team's research appropriateness of direct oral anticoagulation prescribing for new onset venous thromboembolism and non-valvular atrial fibrillation presented at ASHP mid-year 2021. Dr. Nichols is a PGY1 pharmacy resident at Oklahoma State University Medical Center in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Thank you for joining us today. Can you please give us an overview of your team's poster and research? The main topic of review that we're really relating to is appropriateness of direct oral anticoagulants, specifically the two 10A inhibitors, rivaroxaban and apixaban. And we're looking for kind of treatment specifically of non-valvular atrial fibrillation, VTEs, at our facility here at OSU Medical Center whether those prescribed orders of the two DOACs were correct based on indication and renal function is our primary concern. We'll also be doing some further analysis related to subsequent bleeding or thromboembolic events in each of the BMI categories from normal BMI through obesity class three. Also be looking at mean time for adjustment in renal dysfunction if needed as well as mean time from transitioning to one of the DOAC agents we're looking at from some other anticoagulant that was prescribed during the diagnosis. And that's kind of the general topic that we're going to be looking at in our research project. Why is this topic important to study? I feel specifically with our population that we have and our patients here, most commonly prescribed these kinds of agents are what we're kind of looking at. And those agents in this population can be at a bit a higher risk for bleeds and in thromboembolic events if they're not prescribed appropriately. Knowing this kind of correct prescribing of these specific two agents and being aware what parameters, specifically in renal dysfunction, to look for kind of helps make the right decision on dosing. So if we can prevent those kind of secondary events, whether that be bleed or some sort of clot from happening, hopefully this kind of research will help those other residents, physicians, and other kind of healthcare professionals be aware that these kind of adjustments will be needed to help better primary outcomes. Talk to us a little bit more about your research specifically. Did any of your findings surprise you at all? Currently, we're kind of still doing data research on it, getting a lot of the analysis set together. Preliminary data that I have gotten so far, though, It looks promising on kind of the trends that we've been seeing from our prescribers here. A little bit less rate of incorrect prescribing compared to some other reviews that have been done at studies in other facilities. Other things that kind of been a little bit more interesting here, initiation time for some of our DOACs that we're looking at, whether that be apixaban or rivaroxaban, it's a little bit longer than I might have anticipated for some of the patients that we have. So we're going to do a little bit more further analysis into why that might be, whether that be the specific clinical situation that the patient might be in, or if there's other kinds of issues that we can maybe address to switch people over to those oral agents, as opposed to other things that we have on formulary here. But right now we're kind of looking at just some preliminary data and we'll have some more clinical application stuff later on. 
How do you anticipate your findings will contribute to the existing literature about this topic and impact clinical practice? So from an overall impact standpoint on the clinical practice, I don't know if the research specifically we're doing here will change a whole lot about prescribing habits or differences that other facilities might have. I do feel the study that we have here can give a good opportunity for education, especially for other healthcare providers, and give an awareness on what the incorrect prescribing as opposed to correct prescribing can have and the impact that pharmacists and other kinds of healthcare professionals can do to aid in that clinical decision-making to prevent other kinds of events from happening, such as bleeding or clots or something like that. I think that it's a good area that myself as a pharmacist, as well as other clinical pharmacists can have to really add to that whole healthcare team. Now you mentioned a few things already, but to kind of sum it up, what is next for research on this topic? So currently our research specific that we're looking at is for a quality improvement aspect. So we'll take the findings that we have and apply them to maybe get some further education for our residents and other kinds of healthcare professionals here, seeing if there's any other kinds of improvement areas we need to do to prevent other misprescribing of these agents, or if we're doing really well and there is an area that we have done really well at, we can just continue that and make it more of a streamlined protocol process to make sure that everybody's on the same page for it. From a general research standpoint, I think the next step, since our research is so specific in the areas of just newly diagnosed non-valvular atrial fibrillation or venous thromboembolisms, I think prescribing outside in that chronic setting would be the next thing to look at to see if there's a difference in inappropriate prescribing outside of just the hospital setting. What would you say are the key clinical take-home messages from your session? The top three that I probably would look at is specifically from our poster that we're going to be looking at. First thing to get is DOAC, the 10A inhibitors. They really provide a great alternative to the other IV anticoagulants and the oral agent warfarin from an ease standpoint. There's a lot less clinical monitoring you need to do and a lot less access issues that you have to worry with other kinds of IV medications. But prescribers also need to be aware that specifics in dosing and indication are a real point that people can get misprescribing on. So getting that full benefit, you really have to look at both indication for it as well as other kinds of renal function parameters. Second thing, making sure correct prescribing is happening to prevent other kinds of bleeds or strokes or other kinds of embolic events. And third, making sure that all physicians, medical residents, and pharmacists are on the same page and paying close attention to those indications and adjustments to make sure we're getting the best outcomes for our patients. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Nichols, for your time today. Is there anything else that you'd like to add? I just want to thank you for the opportunity to talk to you guys about this topic. I hope this session kind of gives everybody some good, helpful information for others in their practice or at their facility in case they want to do some similar project or look into this a little bit deeper.